0: Your savings are not there to make you wealthy, they're there to protect you against an emergency. You take your income, you subtract your expenses, and that equals your investments plus your savings. So if you want
1: to become wealthy, it ultimately
0: comes down to...
1: Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome to this special masterclass. We brought some of the top experts in the world to help you unlock the power of your life through this specific theme today. It's gonna be powerful, so let's go ahead and dive in.
0: We talked about how to save your money. We talked about how to invest your money. We talked about how to manage your expenses. But now let's talk about the income. Because if now you understand how to live below your means, you understand how to put your money to work, if you want to put fuel on the fire, you just got to earn more money. Now if you earn $100,000, you earn a million dollars, you earn whatever, you earn more money. Now you know how to put this money through your system, through your funnel, whether 75, 15, 10, or whatever else. You know how to take this extra money, put it to work that way you have more money to invest, more money to save, more money to live your life. But the key is you don't want to 100% increase your lifestyle to match your income. You want to increase your income with your investments. Mm-hmm. And, that keep is the key. Is the and keep expenses the same. Keep it ideally. Now you can you know, marginally increase yeah, your expenses, yeah. but the key is you want to be increasing your income and your investments way more. Yes. So the question is, how do you do that? Well, this is where, again, understand you. If you are an employee, you don't want to start a business, you don't want to start a side hustle, fine, nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being an employee. You just have to understand you. But that means now, how can you earn more money? If you like your job, look for ways to get a raise, to get a promotion. See how you can get a bonus. Just be open with your boss. Say, hey, look, I want to be able to contribute more. I want to earn more money. Right. What can I do? Most people are going to be very open and honest. Say, hey, I would like you to tack on this, this, and this. Do this, and then we will help raise your salary. Yeah. Maybe if you don't like your job, you go and get a certificate. You go and do something else. You need to figure out now how you can earn your, increase your income. Maybe you get what a second value job.
1: can you bring to the business to bring in more money for the business or save more time or create some system exactly. so that the business can say, okay, cool, let's give you more opportunities for growth.
0: Exactly. I mean, if you can bring in an extra $10,000 a year to the business of profit, they're not going to have a problem paying you. $5,000 or whatever mm-hmm. it might be right, right and this right. is where you just want to be open because every business is different maybe right. you take on a second job and You know, it's just figuring out. Right. How can you earn more money there? Now if you say well I want to do something outside of my job fine Well, the first thing you can do is start a side hustle so much more accessible now than ever before I mean yeah. you can go on to the internet become a virtual assistant you can become a copywriter you can become a or designer You can become a video editor. I have paid so Upwork. They're not paying me. Upwork is a platform that I use to hire freelancers. And I did a video on this, so I looked this up. In the last two years or three years, I have spent more than a quarter million dollars on Upwork alone. Wow. On uh, different individuals. Different individuals. Just hiring people in different areas who don't work for me. They work on their own schedule because now this freelancing business has grown so much.
1: And so there's a lot of opportunity
0: there where now you can, if you can present a service, mm-hmm. you can make money doing that.
2: Yeah. They
1: might be working an extra five, 10, 20 hours a week on the side, or they might just be full-time freelancers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you get to set your hours for the mm. most part. Uh, you
0: can really do something that you like, that you enjoy, that you're good at. So there's a lot of opportunity there where now you can be a freelancer or start your own side hustle if you have an idea. Mm. You want to, one of my buddies, his mom is really good at making cakes. And she started this uh the, what is it called? Carrot cake business. They're making a good, I, I don't know how much, maybe I, I think it's like 700 or a $1,000 a month selling carrot cakes from Instagram. He markets on Instagram, people say, hey, can you make me a cake? His mom makes the cake and he <laughs> delivers it. You know, Sure, it's, sure. What a, I mean, it's just the number of opportunities. Now, of course, as an attorney, I should say there are liabilities to selling food, get insurance and all that, but this is where there are so many opportunities, right? Just being a hustler, just getting yourself out there, figuring it out, and there's an unlimited amount of possibilities and opportunities out there. Now, if you wanna take it one step further, you could try to build your own business. Your side hustle can turn into your own business. If you have a business idea, invest in it. First, invest in your mind, invest in your education, and then try to do it. You wanna invest as little money as possible until you start generating revenue. Mm -hmm. Like, again, mindset versus toolset, we assume that we need all these tools to start doing it, but the reality is the first thing you need is your mind, because there's a lot of alternatives on how you can do it. Like when I started, I started a sock company a number of years ago when I was trying to figure things out. And it was a water resistant sock. Yeah, yeah. And the interesting thing was I knew nothing about socks. How do you manufacture socks? How do you make them waterproof? And so I was working with textile engineers. I was working with manufacturing companies. I was working with a lot of different people. I didn't have a lot of money. And they wanted, and now we're talking about a real product. So, I learned to talk and essentially i did not i think my total cost to build my first round of socks was thirty five hundred dollars it's not a lot of money but relative to what if you want to manufacture products and create a product to go through the prototype after prototype to prototype right it costs typically a hundred thousand dollars plus i did it for under four grand because i was able to talk to them i used to talk about the potential and i worked with them to build out these special deals where hey work with me here and you know i'll work more business with you exactly and we were able to get it going so it's the ability to hustle be willing to find a way and that's that mindset that sometimes too much money can be a disease Mm -hmm. especially if you want to be a side hustler or a business because now you just start spending money and i've been a victim of that too i uh, i'll just give examples like the minority mindset blog I didn't know how to build a blog and my time was so eaten up with things like market briefs talking about building this tax business although that's much newer uh but building my companies building my youtube channel doing all these other things investing in real estate that i didn't really care about building a blog like i cared about it but i didn't have the brain capacity and the time to sit here and come up with a strategy to do it so i outsourced it i hired some of literally the top blog managers in the world and they charged me a lot of money, like as in six figures plus, right? $100,000 plus to manage the blog. And they promised all this stuff. I was like, fine, do it. So $100,000 for the blog manager, at least another $100,000 on blog content over the course of 12 months. And guess what? No results. Zero. Eesh. Nothing. Eesh. The worst. What did I do? Too much money problem. I just I said I don't got the time, just gonna throw money at it. Hopefully that will fix the problem. Because yeah. if you can get the top blog manager, you can hire people to write, it's easy, right? Well, after those twelve months, the contract was over, fired them. And this is where I was like, All right, you know what? Let me figure this out. Because I do wanna build a blog, and so we build a brand new strategy. It costs us a fraction, like yeah. a, a teeny tiny fraction of what we were paying before. Let's get bigger results. And we're, our blog is growing. We're generating revenue now. I mean, it's, it's a complete turnaround, but it's that mindset versus tool set. Yes. And these are real stories, real things that I have gone through. So you need to know now, how do you multiply your income and understand that you don't need thousands of dollars. My first business, I started with nothing, essentially, when I started my bed planning company. I started Minority Mindset with under a few hundred dollars. Yeah, When I, mean, I was making videos off of my cell phone.
1: You just need some hustle, some creativity, hustle. some action, some consistency, exactly. some relationships, some communication, and just making stuff happen.
0: The hustle, man. And that's why I always say, keep hustling yeah. <laughs> at the end of my videos because the hustle mentality is so crucial. Uh-huh. And you can't teach that. You can't read that in books. You have to actually live it. Yes. And so this is where now, if you want to really do that, you have to understand the hustle mentality mm-hmm. you get to work. And this brings me now to the be great aspect. Mm. The last part now. I you like it. Now you've, Speaking my language. Exactly, right? Exactly. Greatness. So you've built the base. You're putting some money to work. You're leading your money. You are either paying off your home or you're understanding how mm-hmm. to use your extra cash the right way. You're increasing your income. That way you can build your wealth even faster now it's all about being great and there's two aspects to this the first aspect that i want to talk about is protecting yourself because the reality is when people realize that you have money they're going to try to take their hand put it in your pocket and keep some for
1: themselves you know to to pause on you there i remember hearing oprah talk about this one time years ago i heard her on some podcast or somewhere she said something like as she started to rise to fame uh, with her talk show and started to make a lot more money what do you think happened everyone's reaching out with a handout right oh you got money now can you help me with a thousand dollars here can you help me with this well you've made the money can you help me yeah she said i'm paraphrasing this but after like i don't know a decade of this or something it just felt like everyone was using her yeah as opposed to just being in a relationship with her and having an actual friendship or relationship and she said that she decided after a period of time she was tired of just giving 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 to people who had a handout and so she said, I'm going to do a big dinner and I'm going to invite everyone, yeah. friends, family, everyone, you know, third cousins, you know, yeah. twice removed, everyone who's been asked for a handout, I'm going to invite them all. And she said, it's like, she, she gave out, she had this massive dinner for everyone, like all of the, everything you could eat. And she started giving out envelopes and gifts and cars and cash and just wow. like, she gave out Gifts based on what she wanted to give to each person. Yeah, everyone got something. Mm-hmm. And she said she gave a speech at the end and said, "This is all I'm going to give you. Don't ask for anything else after <laughs> this." And she said, "Still, people were complaining. Oh, you gave this person ten grand. I only got five thousand. It's like you got to learn to protect yourself yeah. mentally, psychologically, financially, because you could just be giving and giving and giving. And it can never end. Right. Right.
0: A hundred percent. And."
1: So yeah. how do you do this? That's,
0: that's a huge relationship aspect. I'm going to take it one step a little bit deeper on the legal side. Ah. Because you're, you're absolutely right. You know, I struggle with that relationship side as well. because in, I'm not saying
1: don't be generous. Yeah. But also it's like when you feel like you're being taken advantage of, then it becomes challenging.
0: So my family is from a state in India called Punjab. And uh, what happens a lot of people is you come here to america or to you know somewhere like canada my family came to america and your family's in india and they think oh my god you're wealthy in america so you're working your butt off here while sending money back to india so you know my parents did this my dad did this a lot where uh, especially when we were young he wasn't making a lot of money but he was always sending money back to Mm. his siblings or people just to help take care of them because that's our culture to help take care of people and it becomes difficult because you know it's that for at least for me that cultural aspect of giving which i like taking care of family but then also not making them reliant on you because now once you start giving then they're saying, well i, I
1: don't I, need I to don't step to up yeah
0: and so it's a very tough balance and i don't have a good answer for you here because you know i do like taking care of people i like helping people especially you know within my family i you know i want to make sure i can take care of everyone that's why i work hard because i want to make sure that I can give you. And so when I... Because I, I have given money to people around me, my family and my friends. The way that I look at it is I don't want that money back. Mm. I know when I give you money, I'm never going to ask for it back. back yeah. And I don't want it back. If you give it back to me, maybe I'll take it. But I'm never going to ask for it back. And I will give based off of what I can. But I know that's money in my mind. I'm never getting back. And I have to be okay with that for myself. And if I'm okay with that, that's fine. And I think that's one of those things where... I don't... because. I don't want to mess up the relationship right with my family that's more important to me and so look if I'm okay giving you a thousand dollars here's a thousand never talk to me about it again right and really that's it and if I see you blow that money in dumb ways guess what when you ask me for another grand you're not getting, you're not not getting it. it yeah you know it's as simple as that I'm gonna forget about it I don't like arguing over money I think that's very dirty and evil so I'll, you know I am generous in that sense but uh, you mm-hmm. know I, I'm also very straightforward where if I feel like hey I'm not gonna give it to you I'm not gonna do it yeah But I also don't sit here and ask for it back.
1: But you're talking about protecting yourself legally. Legally, which
0: means now having the right advisors, accountants, and insurance to protect you. And so when you start earning money, people are going to try to reach into your pockets and get it. Also, legally. I had a tenant in one of my properties sue my realistic company because they said that the bathtub got too slippery when the water was on Jeez. and because it was so slippery when the water was on it caused them to slip and fall which then it's, a bathtub. it's a bathtub with water and because of that they wanted damages for injuries
1: but you just have to defend yourself even if it's not yes. your problem
0: and so this is where how do you protect yourself so i had a couple things one i had an llc mm-hmm. second i had uh, Renters insurance. insurance or yeah. And third, I had a property manager company, property management company. And so I'll go through the different layers. You can see all the different levels of yes. insurance and how they worked. Because now the first thing that happens is my property management company documented everything because prior to them slipping, they made a complaint that there was about a quarter inch by quarter inch chip in the bathtub. And they said, Oh, there's a little paint chip. We want to get this fixed. So my contractor goes out there. He says, okay, yeah, we can fix this. And my contractor said, you know, the tenants here are kind of old. Let's install them a handicap pool just to be nice. We weren't required to do this. We were fully licensed by yes. the city, but my contractor offered to do this. So now they go back to do the work. The tenants say, We don't want you to do it. We're tired. He goes back to do it again. They said, We don't want you to do it. Uh, the tenant slipped and fell at a barbecue. They go back. He said, No, he's still injured from the barbecue. So we have notes of all this. Sure. And then they go and say that they slipped and fell in the bathtub
3: hmm. we have
0: records of all this where they said they slipped and fell at a barbecue and now they're saying they slipped and fell at a bathtub why are they doing that well maybe they can try to get some money out of the quote-unquote rich landlord i was a very young kid at this time i was still in college um trying to dig into those pockets thinking that oh if he's a real estate investor he must have a lot of money and so they use one of those free attorneys to go after my insurance so now i have insurance so now my insurance company gives me an attorney to protect me through this process. And the judge laughed at the case. Even the attorney laughed at the case. He was like, look, man, this is just, they're just trying to grab money. There's nothing here. It's a frivolous lawsuit. So we just have to do it. And the insurance company wants to settle because it's cheaper to settle than to pay $350 to $400 an hour to the attorney to fight it and actually win the case. And so that's where the insurance came in and protected me. They fought me for me and defended me and then paid out the settlement. Now, if it had escalated further, that's where the LLC protects me, which is where you want to have a good attorney there to recommend what's best for you because that LLC then kind of creates a shield where you can only take what the LLC owns and you can't go after my personal assets. So if the LLC only owns that property, you can't go after anything that I own because The LLC is what owns the real estate. So you want to make sure you protect yourself there. Right. So this is where having those right shields to protect you are so important because especially in America, we are the most litigious country in the world. And you want to make sure you protect yourself against that. Right. Um, And there's a funny saying in real estate that if you haven't been sued as a real estate investor, you haven't been in business long enough. Wow. So it's just one of those things where you want to protect yourself. I
1: think people also got to also understand this is a... A full contact sport, (laughs) you know, learning how to follow these six steps that you've laid out, which I think are great, but learning how to be, you know, an an investor, it doesn't come easy for everyone right away. You're going to make some mistakes. There's going to be some challenges to face. And the longer you're in it, you just have to deal with stuff that's not fun, right? This is something you have to deal with. There's probably months of a back and forth thing and you're... There's some stress, there's some worry, there's conversation, it's time, it's yeah. energy with insurance, with lawyers, just to deal with something that even isn't your fault.
0: 100%. And, you know, this is just one of the realities of being an investor, an entrepreneur, where, you know, understanding the aspects. And there are going to be some things that are not fun. Like I talked about in our previous podcast, the tax issue. I know. It was uh, uh, where my accountant calls me up saying that, hey, Jaspreet, this is nine in the morning. You owe a hundred thousand oh, dollars by the end of the day. Sucks. Send it into the IRS. That sucks. And now I have to go figure out how to do this, send it in. And then he tells me that I also have to pay a penalty on oh. this because he did something wrong. So it's one of those things that's not fun. It's a, a problem. But then as an entrepreneur, how do you find the opportunity? Well, first I fired the accountant. I go on the hunt for a new accountant, yeah. a new tax advisor. I start working with this new tax advisor, and I see the difference between a bad accountant And a good accountant, I start learning, wow, you're telling me that every month we can meet and you can advise me on what I can do with my money. That way I can legally limit my tax liability and you're going to do all this work in advance and I don't have to worry about this ever. I love that. Now, with my entrepreneurial brain, I'm like, let's start working together because there's so many small businesses that need this. It is a real problem because there's a lot of bad accountants out there and we need more good accountants. We need more good uh, tax advisors who's going to help people, especially in this new age where we have more... IRS agents joining the workforce. We have a lot of things changing. We're probably gonna see a change in tax laws. So you wanna make right. sure that you're taking care of yourself. So this is one of the things that I'm working on with him is to, to fix that. We don't have a website or anything. So if you wanna learn more, shoot me a DM on Instagram at minoritymindset or email me at team at the minoritymindset.com. But this is just one of those things where you wanna make sure you have the right resources there to first be great to protect yourself for your family. And I'm gonna take that one step further because as an attorney, You also want to make sure you have the right estate planning in place, Mm -hmm. because this is one of those things that is really not fun, but so crucial. If you build any sort of wealth, you want to tell the world. And when I die, where where is it going to go? Because if you don't, your family is going to fight over it. Oh, man. And it's not fun because no one wants to think about what happens after I die. But it is so, so, so important because when you die, you don't want your family fighting at your funeral. And so create a will, create a trust, have an estate planning attorney that can help guide you there. Because you never wanna to have to worry about
1: place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host and the second aspect of being
2: great
0: is being great for the world where the more you have the more you can do you can give back now you can do more things whether it's your money whether it's your time whether it's your education because when you can light a candle well you can light one candle but that one candle can also light a million other candles yeah. And this is where now as you're on this journey to build wealth you have lit your own candle now you can help light someone else you can help give someone a a helping hand whether you help someone financially whether you help them with your time whether you help them through your expertise because now you've learned the process because information is meant to be shared i talk about this stuff on youtube not because i wanted to get rich but because I was so frustrated by the system, mm-hmm. right? I never knew that I could even make money on YouTube. I started making videos For without free. even turning yeah. advertisements on. I didn't know that you could do that until someone showed me, hey, you can make money from these videos. <laughs> and so it's the whole idea of helping to spread because you know, like we've talked about in this video, this this podcast, there's so much misinformation out there. There's so much mm-hmm. lack of information out there And financially, like if you don't understand money, if you don't have money, it can ruin so many other aspects of your life. Because if you don't have money, if you're stressing about money, now you can't take your spouse on the vacation that they want. You can't pay for your kids education Mm -hmm. you can't fund your retirement you can't buy that gift that you want you can't do anything and now you're stressing it makes your mental health worse it can put you into depression it can make you start eating bad it can make your physical health worse it can make you feel so unfulfilled it can make you feel so spiritually beat so this is where understanding hey more money isn't going to fix every aspect of your life but if you don't have money it can impact every aspect of your life
1: what do you think are the key things that abundant mindset people around money do differently than scarcity mindset mm. people around money? If you had to say three or five kind of key things.
3: They appreciate it, as you said. That, that is a biggie. They appreciate it and they speak about it as they love it. They're not weird about it. They're also generous with it because when you pinch yourself off from giving, you that is sort of a subconscious way of saying there's not enough to go around and it's not going to come, I'm not in the flow. So when you don't give generously, it's because you're scared that it's not going to come in anymore. Um, they take risks. You know, you got to take risks. You are where you are because you've been doing what you've been doing. So if you want to change your life, you've got to do stuff you've never done. Um, what else? Wealthy people they learn about money like you you focus on money like that was such a big thing for me too like when i was broke i i never wanted to think about money right i was all about writing songs and you know doing much you know more noble things sure sure but then but when you're broke all you think about is money like i don't really think about money that much now that i have it like but every single decision you make when you're broke is about do well, i have much... enough to pay for this exactly. can i afford
1: it what happens if i don't have right
3: you, know? you wake up in the first thing in the morning in a panic cuz you got to pay your bills so you're always thinking about money so it is really just sort of getting in the flow with that and just, you know, being on good terms with it and, and focusing on it and, and you know, how are you going to make it? Like being realistic about your income streams and, you know, and if you want to make it, you've got to coax it in, you right, know, give
1: right. it, yeah. I'm curious about this. Okay. You, you're a starving artist. You wanted to do noble things, which about art and making art and all these different things what would have happened if someone had said jen you know what i love that you're an artist i love that you have this you know passion for art and you want to keep doing this and this is where you've been for 40 years and we don't want you to change here's 100 grand a year for the rest of your life don't worry about money up to 100 grand mm-hmm. what would that have done to you if someone would have given you 100 grand a year and you would have just been like, okay, I'm gonna write and do whatever I want. And how do you think it would have been mentally, emotionally, spiritually wow. versus you having to risk emotionally and mentally? Yeah. You, you getting to heal, let go, overcome, right? Challenge yourself into asking for money into becoming something greater than that limiting belief. What do you think? Where do you think you'd be now?
3: Probably would have spent it on beer, honestly, back in those days. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't, you you're absolutely right. It's an, it's an, it's a frequency. You know, it's like, it's like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I always, I always had, I guess I'm going to say gall. That's not the right word, but I did. I did do a lot of stuff that was pretty edgy and I I pushed the envelope a lot. So I may have gotten there, but I don't think it would have been as exciting as it was to do it myself. You know, there really is. You do grow and they they say, you know. Starting your own business is the best personal development course you can possibly <laughs> take because all your stuff comes up, right? All of it. So, leadership
1: training, it's leadership training, it's inner child training, everything, yeah.
3: everything, Every totally. Is pushed. Totally. So, so it wouldn't have been as satisfying, mm, I don't think. I think I still would have done it though because that is kind of my personality. When I'm ready to change, I'm ready to change, and I do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So, but I think it wouldn't have been as glorious, and I'm definitely, I probably wouldn't have written you at bet. Would totally changed my entire life. So
1: it, it changed yours, but it also changed other people's lives. Yes. So it's who you become, the lessons you learn, the wisdom you have. Yes. To the, then be able to be of service and teach. Yeah. From your own experience. Exactly.
3: Yeah. The book about me getting a hundred grand a year just for being would not be that interesting to people. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's interesting. Yeah.
1: What has been the biggest lesson in the last ten years? Because that was ten years ago when you wrote "You Are Bad," mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you've written two or three books since then, I, I believe. What has been the three. biggest lesson, three books mm-hmm. since then? Yeah. What has been the biggest lesson in 10 years since you are a bad... to now? Personally,
3: hmm. physically,
1: and financially.
3: Oh, man. Ooh. Let me think. Okay, the biggest lessons since I wrote you because are when you, bad...
1: Because when you get oh. more money, more impact, more mm-hmm. celebrity, fame in an industry... Yeah. People change around you. Some people yeah, don't, some yeah. people do. Right. Uh, you get to make different choices with your with your health. Right. In positive or negative. Right. Uh, you have more abundance to do bad things or good things. Yeah. And um, you get to see how you show up emotionally, spiritually Yeah, that's as well. such
3: an interesting question. You know, I definitely feel like um, since it came out and has had the success, you know, that I've gotten better and better. It really this sounds cold, but like not caring what other people think about me. Like that is something that I'm really dedicated to right now where it's like the one star reviews and the five star reviews, you know, it's like, believe me, I'm so grateful. Anybody reads the book, but the five star reviews are the real dangerous ones, right? Where you're just like, I'm so cool. People think I'm funny and smart, you know, really getting good inside. Like just being like, it doesn't matter as long as I think it's good. And I think it's funny. And I think it's helpful. That's it. And So that has been really important to me because it is weird. I mean, I'm sure you too, like people know who you are and it's like, it's, it's a little uncomfortable sometimes. I mean, it's great too. Like I love meeting my readers, but it's just like, I can't get too wrapped up in their opinion of me because it's about my opinion of me. Mm -hmm. So that's been a really big one.
1: Not, so not letting the opinions of others be the opinions of you about you. Right.
3: Yeah. Interesting. This really coming. The high
1: hype and the low low.
3: Yeah. Definitely. Because you hear a lot about the low lows, like don't focus on the criticism, but you really got to watch it with the five-star stuff too. Or else yeah. Cause then, Because then if it goes away, you're screwed, right? You're totally screwed. I mean, that's why so many celebrities wind up in rehab, you know, especially if you, I always think about this too, that I'm so glad for me anyway, that it started when I was older. Mm-hmm. If you I can imagine 20, me? Oh, man, 20, I was getting all these accolades, I would be such an idiot. I know. Like no way. Oh, I'm really great. I'm so grateful for all of it. My God. Yeah. Um, okay, and that's then, personally.
1: What about biggest okay. lesson
3: um, financially? Financially? Um, I guess I, I I love giving money away. Like, I didn't... I really, honestly, never thought I was that generous of a person. <laughs> but I am. But So I'm very happy to find that out about myself because I didn't really think that I was. But also that I... Um, I was just making fun of this this morning with a friend of mine that I'm still kind of cheap with myself in ways. Like, I'm not great at, like... I mean, I have a nice house, I have a nice car, I certainly spend plenty of money on myself. But I can just be, like, I'm not good at being rich and, like, getting room service and, like, spending. I'm just, I'm still kind of, you know, the Italian immigrant's daughter who sort of pays attention. So, not that that's bad, but... It's interesting. I, I have
1: a little bit of that in me. Although, in the last couple of years, I've started to learn how to take care of me, Mm -hmm. like with travel and food and and convenience and saving time. Convenience. Whereas for, I don't know, the first five years of my business, uh, I was making money, right? It's like, not like I didn't have money, but I was so afraid to lose it also that I was just stacking it. Every time I travel, I would try to find who do I know in this, this town that I can sleep on their couch. Yeah.
3: Isn't it funny? Because I was like,
1: I'm not going to pay 200 bucks a night for a room. What, uh-huh. are, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. I, need, I can use that money and I can put it somewhere else. Yeah. And I was always like, how do I just get on the cheapest bus fare? Right. How do I get like the middle back seat on Southwest? Like, how do I get uh, the $39 uh, uh, flight? An yeah. And just sit there for six hours in the middle and just, you know, crammed. Yeah. As opposed to, you know convenience and and saving time and, and having my health optimized and using it to do those things. But I was afraid to lose it. So it's just work, work, work to make it. But I was afraid to lose it for a while.
3: Yeah. And also like the the value, like I still, and I make myself too, but I hate paying for parking. I would rather drive, And we're talking like $2 at a meter. Like I'm so weird about that. I'm like- You'd rather roll on the block five times yes, and try to find a place block. waste gas, yes, waste my time. Like it's so stupid. But I, and I crack up like- but, but I also have this thing where, like, I'll spend 60 grand to put solar on my house, but I won't <laughs> right. spend $15 on a wooden spoon. Like, I'm just, sure, so sure. it's just kind of funny catching yourself
1: where you're. Well, I think there's a there's a there's a power in being mindful with your money and being I would call it frugal, I guess, maybe in certain ways, but abundant in other ways. Yeah. Right. It's like be abundant in certain ways, but don't just overspend on everything because you have the money. Yeah,
3: I guess. I know. Be
1: mindful of certain things. Finding,
3: you know, at whatever level you're at too, you know? Like when you don't have money, you also don't want to be pinched off and stingy with it. Like it really is about, this isn't just, you know, two people with money talking about it. It really is about figuring out where you're at and how to stay in that abundance mindset and in the flow and leaving an extra dollar when you tip or whatever, you know, but just really catching yourself when you're pinching it off. Because it doesn't matter how much we're talking about, but it's that pinching off. If money is currency and currency is energy and you're pinching it off, that is not going to do it, well for you. Yeah. Yep. What
1: was the big lesson about relationships in the last 10 years?
3: Mm.
1: Whether it be yeah. friend, colleague, intimate relationship. Yeah.
3: You know that people are still really uncomfortable with money. And I, I do feel like It's being of service to talk about it freely and openly and joyfully. And it totally turns people off all the time and close friends. Absolutely. And but taking a stand and doing it anyway. And really, like, I kind of do have to. I have to be a little careful because it can be braggy. But again, like if I lost 100 pounds and I was telling you about losing 100 pounds, people would be happy for you. This is the same kind of thing. Like it's something that really is an achievement that helps me be healthy and happy. Yes. And why shouldn't I talk about it? And the fact that you're uncomfortable with it doesn't mean I shouldn't talk about it. Right. And sink down to your level, right? So that's been interesting. And I have lost friends over that. Absolutely.
1: Wow. It's interesting because we'll see, you know, on social media, these physical transformations of people. Here was me six months ago. Here's me now. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of, you'll see a lot of people celebrating that, right? Like, congratulations, it's amazing, it's the encouragement, it's like, look what I was able to do, and I'm so proud of myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wish more people would do that around money, too. Look, like, I was $30,000 in debt, and look at my bank statement now. Like, I'm debt-free, and I've got a 1000 bucks in the bank. Oh, my God. You know, whatever it is. And I think Dave Ramsey celebrates that for people in his, you know, kind of community, where it's like, when they get out of debt, he brings them on the radio show, and they kind of announce it. But I don't see this on social media that much.
3: Because that's a safe space. Because everybody's listening to his show is trying to Kool-Aid. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You do it in the public space, you are going down. <laughs> yeah. Why is that? I don't really know. I don't know. I, I think about this too. Like, how did that all get started? When did it become such a dirty thing? It has I'm sure it has to do with some kind of control. Like some yeah, people so... wanted to control something,
1: so Right. I'm curious about you know, if you're down to go there about intimate relationships, how has making money impacted you intimately in relationship?
3: I am definitely, that is my Achilles heel right now. Mm. So that, and it's been a little weird for me because being a very, I have stories around being a very successful woman and how that's not so feminine and how, yeah, there's a lot of stuff on that. So I'm, that's the that's the new frontier which I'm super psyched
1: about figuring it out yeah what do you feel like is the biggest
3: struggle around that you know is it my own beliefs around it totally come on now I know all this it's all the same thing you know but that's that's a that's a deep one and it's kind of a new one you know because because I haven't been a successful woman for a long time and uh so it's it's interesting wow yeah
1: so is this like you know people just Are intimidated by you because you have money
3: or what is that that's what i think that because men are supposed to be the providers and supposed to you know yeah be the providers and then be more successful and and i don't really even care about that you know but i do care about somebody being at the same level of me spiritually and sort of just you know just with what they're into and stuff like that so that's really important to me interesting yeah that
1: might be a block for some women like if I make more money, will I be in a great intimate relationship I think if it, I make more than my partner, right?
3: Well, the way that it's set up, anyway, that is sort of it, you know, that men and, you know, so I just got to find a guy who's either as, as who's who's got really good wealth consciousness, who's as successful, who's totally out there. But it's it's my own story. It's always your own story. Yeah. What
1: would you coach another woman <laughs> to <laughs> Who What's says the, the same thing things. or who's like uh, they've got a you know a successful growing business or maybe they're you know making a million dollars a year in their business or more yeah and they're like man i've been struggling because yeah i haven't found a guy who's comfortable with me making this much they feel like they can't add as much value to the relationship right what would you say to that well uh, of woman? course Lewis,
3: i have had that client because the second you have an issue that client shows up to i don't know if you find, like every time because i'm doing this group coaching course and uh, oh yeah, like plenty of people in that group ask me the very question. So, so it's super easy when it's the well I know <laughs> I mean, I know the answer, but am I like really gonna live it? Is uh watch your thoughts. What are you believing about it? What have you decided is true about you, about your environment, about the way the world works? Like it's all your thoughts. Like if you keep harping on it's hard, he's not out there, I'm to this, I'm to that. Then that is the truth.
1: That's what you will manifest or that, attract. You know, to yeah. think
3: what you want to think is to think the truth. So that's true. Yeah. So it's interesting
1: because my my girlfriend, I was telling you about her a little bit before. She's extremely successful in what she does. She makes a lot of good money, um, and I celebrate it. I'm like, yeah, awesome. For me, it feels great to have someone who's more, uh, you know, energetically aligned or like more of an equal match. Mm-hmm. Even though my business does more than her business, but she's making a killing, right? In her own way. And I'm excited for her. Yeah, And, um, it doesn't make me feel like I'm not able to provide as much with her making good money also. For me, it doesn't affect that within me, but maybe 10, 15 years ago, it would have. Maybe I would have felt insecure or not enough because I hadn't worked on my stuff. Right. So I think it's just finding, you know, someone who's in alignment, who's a good match, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically as well, who's done the work and doesn't find it intimidating. Exactly. I find it inspiring. I'm like, wow. And here's the the interesting thing for me, not to go off on this too much, but for me, something switched in the last like five to eight years where I had this kind of morbid thought where I said, okay, if I'm with a partner and I don't feel like she can be resourceful and I die, can she take care of my kids financially? It was kind of a morbid thought, but I was like, huh. And I struggled in the previous relationships that I was in, thinking would they be able to financially figure it out if they didn't ha- they, if they didn't remarry? It's
3: a great thing to they think about. If they didn't actually. find another man to uh-huh. support them
1: financially, if they, you know, their parents didn't fund them, right? Whatever happened, if I we had kids, I died. Could they financially be resourceful mm-hmm. uh, and do things that would make our kids proud of them? You know what I mean? And so, and. That's my partner now, so it's like she is financially resourceful and, and creative enough to generate money if she needed to. So, right. But I don't need her to make right. more. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, something to think about there. But um, so that's one of your blocks right now. One of your, your challenges.
3: You're a Temporary block. Yeah. Tempor- <laughs> We're releasing the block very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm just airing all the laundry here, Liz. I, I hope love when it. I leave this room that You're it's clear. all it all stays here. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> We'll open the window so it goes yeah. somewhere else. Please get a fan. Yeah.
1: What is the What is the question you get asked by your readers the most that you wish they truly could hear and believe the answer mm. to?
3: Oh, so many. Well, the one that I said about what do you do when the people closest to you don't support you. Another one is how do you keep the motivation. Like, you know, we go to these seminars, we read books, we listen to the podcasts, and we're all raring to go. And then
1: a month later, you go back and you Exactly. Paths. Yeah. So, so how do you stay motivated yeah. on your vision and on your growth journey? Yep.
3: Well, I call it going to the spiritual gym and you've got to have a spiritual gym practice because you do not get to work out physically and then stop going to the gym. Once you're in shape. So just because you got in shape at the seminar or listen to the podcast or whatever, you don't get to stop doing stuff. So and it doesn't. And, you know, I'm working so hard to start my business. I don't want another thing to do. (laughs) So it's like it can be 20 minutes. You know, you working out for 20 minutes a day can do a lot of great things. So it's like spiritual gym workout. Meditate for 15. Read a self-help book for five. Like what music are you listening to? Who are you hanging out with? what makes you feel like you could flip over a car? Like, what are those things? And do them every single solitary day for 20 minutes. It's not that big a whoop do doo You know, when you think about that, it's going to change your entire life, you know? So, and take it as seriously as anything else because that work will make everything else that you're taking seriously and trying to achieve so much easier. And, you know, I'm giving a lot of talks right now and the and the thing that I'm just so excited. And I'm so excited to be speaking right now too, because it reminds me, it's my spiritual gym, right? Like we all need it. So, but the thing about, because we are spiritual creatures having a physical experience, right? And if you, and like, instead of just giving it lip service and talking, yeah, 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 I know that. But think about it. We are the universal intelligence that created everything that is. We are, our thoughts are universal intelligence the stuff that created everything that is. Why are we not more stuck up? Why are we not feeling so powerful all of the time? If we're really going to believe it, if we're really going to go steroids on woo-woo and and go there and really, like, if you thought about that all day long, about your thoughts being, you know, when you're in alignment, not the, the garbage thoughts that you think, but when you get quiet and you tap into your inner yippie skippy, as I like to call it, and you're there and you're in the flow, it's like... It's so exciting, right?
1: What do you think happens to people that never give? That they just earn for themselves or they keep it in their business and they only put it back in their business, but they don't think about giving outside of the business?
2: I think their growth is stunted. Really? Uh, but You know, it, it, to me, again, it falls in the same category as integrity. Uh, what happens to someone who cuts corners? You can, you can win, you can prosper to a degree, but all the data tells us and, and all the life experience tells us that the people with fanatical levels of integrity are the ones that do the biggest stuff. Right. The crooks really don't get ahead at the end of the day. The people that are selfish, they could can, they can get some stuff done, but the people that are selfless, they just have a tendency mm. because people trust them. Uh, that trust factor comes in. Things move at the speed of trust, as they say, and yeah. uh, all those things come into play. And and you just don't become all you were designed to be. The other thing that happens with generosity is uh, your creativity increases. Mm-hmm. Yes, because you're, you're releasing chemicals that you don't release when you're selfish. Your productivity increases. Uh, your re- the quality of your relationships increase. I was speaking at a little Baptist church in Kentucky one time, beautiful little church and the guy many, many years ago and the old pastor had been there for 40 years and I did a tithing lesson, hardcore, Mm. you know, Baptist tithing lesson, which I love. And, uh, the guy came up afterwards and he goes, well, you left one thing out. Sure. Pastor, I mean, you've been doing this longer than me. What I leave out. He goes, you know, I've been doing this 40 years. I've never had a tithing couple in my church get a divorce. And I went, why? Because the tithe is magical because some people think that in Christianity, you know, uh, because I don't think that. He said, no, because when you're unselfish with your money, you're unselfish with your wife. Mm. And you're unselfish with your husband and you serve each other in the marriage. If you're serving the community with your giving, it's the same same muscle. And he goes, you're just you're just easier to stay married to. When you're when you're tithing, when you're giving, when you're, when you're giving. giving, when you make giving a standard part of the rhythm of your life, you build that generosity muscle, and it affects every relationship That's you're so in, true. particularly yeah. the key relationship in a marriage. Yes. It changes the way you
1: parent, mm. you know, because if you don't give in one area, if you say I'm going to hold back my money and I'm going to keep it here. You're probably not going to give generously to your spouse or to your
2: kids or to your friends or community, right? Because it's a character quality. Interesting. You know, it's like the guy that says, "Ah, oh, well, you know, I hate the IRS, I hate taxes, so I don't really put everything on my tax return." Mm. Okay, so you're a liar, Right. You're a cheater. Where are you going to cheat me? Uh, In what deal? That's what I start thinking. I don't. I'm not impressed. I pay. I hate taxes, but I pay every stinking penny. Not because I believe in taxes, and not because I'm scared of the IRS, because neither one of those things are true. But it's because it it, it says something about me. Mm-hmm. I got to look at me, and, and that's a that's an integrity issue. It's a fin- every penny, every cash sale of a book on the back table goes into the accounting system, and we pay freaking taxes on it. I got audited not long ago. I paid precisely zero. Wow! In the audit. We were so stinking clean. And, and it's not because I'm scared of those dupers, because I'm really not. They're a pain in the butt, but I'm not scared of them. It, it's a matter of integrity is integrity is integrity is integrity. Mm-hmm. Generosity is generosity is generosity is generosity. These things, this stuff. these are character qualities of the successful people that I've met. Yeah, that's beautiful. Speaking of marriage, um, it seems like money
1: affects marriages a lot. I'm curious what – or it could empower marriages or it could hurt marriages if, if not handled properly. I'm curious if you were to give advice on some a couple dating for you know a few years, looking to get married, what are a few questions they must have and align to about money that might be uncomfortable to have those questions but will actually get you clear on, hey, are we the right match yeah. in terms of our money mindset, in terms of what we're going to do with money for the next – and maybe you have this question in the first few months of dating. You don't wait two years. Mm-hmm. But what are those questions that people should be asking before they align with someone romantically long-term?
2: Well, there's a couple of things to think. keep in mind. I'm talking to a young couple about this, and I do often in a marriage seminar or something like that is uh, or a pre-marriage mm-hmm. counseling session or something like that. Um, the number one cause of divorce is money fights and money problems out there. The stress of money. And the arguments over money. Okay. And so if you said the number one cause of death is getting killed by a bear on the way to the mailbox, right? <laughs> then you would analyze how not to get killed by a bear on the way to the mailbox, Yeah. right? And so if you're going to get married, you should really look at the number one freaking thing. Hello. <laughs> this,
1: this is the number one thing that, that either hurts or ends marriage is yeah. what I'm hearing you say. Yeah.
2: And the odd thing is, is it's actually circular. Mm. It's an infinity loop because it feeds back on itself, meaning that it also, the quality of your marriage is a high data point indicator as to whether or not you build wealth. Yeah. And, and so, very few people drag a spouse kicking and screaming into millionaire status. You know, <laughs> Does, you mean
1: it doesn't happen by accident. It, it,
2: you know, so I'm, I'm I'm bringing the princess with me, right? Come on, baby, and I'm put you on my back, and we're gonna haul you over there. Right. Doesn't usually yeah. work, okay? Or I'm bringing the guy who's who, who's lazy and won't work, right. and I'm gonna outwork him. And the lady says, and, and and he's a little boy, and I'm gonna be his mommy, and I'm gonna drag him all the way into millionaire status. Not working, baby. Right? So it goes both directions but so that that's thing one if it's the number one cause then yeah it ought to be something really you discuss mm-hmm. it, so uh, preventative maintenance right yes Pre, you know it, it's a uh, uh, you know preventative health if the number one cause of death is obesity we probably ought to think about obesity you know i'm curious Then what is what is a
1: what's a question uh, a woman at should ask to her man you know within the first few months of dating about money where she could get a sense if he's fully honest and integrity with what he's saying and not Mm -hmm. just saying something to make her, you know, feel happy. What is a question she can ask to feel like, okay, this man I'm, I'm dating and courting and we're getting into this life with, I feel like I can trust him with money for the future.
2: Yeah. Well, money is a reflection of our values, Mm. how we handle money. And that's another reason that it's very important because if your values are not aligned, you're going to struggle in any relationship, but certainly in a marriage relationship. And, And so, um, you know, talk about the basics of money debt. I love debt. I'm going to use it all the time. You know, I want zero down everything. Mm. I'm going to buy a zero down truck. I'm going to buy a zero down stereo. I'm going to buy a zero down couch. I'm going to put nothing down on the house. Um, and you hate debt. Okay. We got a problem. Mm. We're going to have to work through this, or we're going to have to, this is a deal killer. Okay. How about saving? I don't think you'll save money. You can always mur- you can always get you some. Mm. I always thought you could out earn your stupidity. I tried that for years. <laughs> didn't work, you know. So my wife, however, is a natural saver, right? So uh, when I joined her club, is when we started winning. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So bless her heart, she didn't know this going in, but I uh, made a hard hard life for her the first seven years. Mm. But the uh, uh, so saving and debt. How about generosity? Mm-hmm. I don't believe you ought to give. If you give, you end up with less. It's mathematically factual, yeah. which it is actually. But that short-term thinking—that's a finite game instead of an infinite game. Mm-hmm. Again, using Simon's yep. uh, premise on his book, uh, and, and, and so general the things we just talked about. Right. You know, how about li- how about living on? A- are we going to live in chaos? Mm-hmm. Are we going to live with a plan? Yeah, want to live with peace or chaos. Yeah. Are we going to live with future-minded or YOLO? You know, mm. you only live once. Thank God it's Friday. Living for the weekend. Our <laughs> marriage theme song is Huey Lewis in the news, right? I mean, come on. Is this us? And if it is, then you know, because this what's this tell you? Anyone that lives short term thinking, we know they're emotionally mm. immature. Yes. Spiritually immature. Mm. And so you're marrying someone or you're dating someone that's emotionally immature. And they're fun. They're always fun. But they're but it's not fun in the long term because it right. brings about stress. The fruit of this is nasty. Mm-hmm. And so, now, do we have to be perfectly aligned on all those things? No, we just need to understand where the other person stands and are they so far over, away from us, that it's a deal killer? Yeah. Because my wife is more of a saver than I am, by nature. I had, saving for me is an intellectual act, a spiritual act of my will. It is not a natural rhythm, okay? (laughs) She naturally saves everything. The leftovers in our refrigerator are grotesque. I mean, it's just, I mean, you know, she saves everything. So but, so, to the extent that I can stay close to her on that, mm-hmm. then we've got harmony. Mm. We have both, obviously, with what we've been through, agreed no doubt, right. We are both plan- have become planners over the 40 years of marriage. I've always been a detailed planner. I had to get her to join me more on that. So, mm-hmm. you know, but it's better if you do it on the front end than the way we did. It. It's a lot harder yes. than the way we did, About kill each other. So you want to be in agreement on that. And all the data tells us on marriage and divorce statistics, and we've studied this for years, is number one cause of divorce, money. The other three, if you can be in agreement on them, religion, mm-hmm. kids, whether to have them and how to treat them, and how to deal with crazy people in your extended family, your mm-hmm. mother-in-law, mm-hmm. and your crazy brother, your lazy brother who does cocaine. And whatever it is, you, how you going to deal with how the, to manage it all, yeah. how, how to manage boundaries with extended family. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, if one of you thinks that children should just be let run wild and the other one is an over disciplinarian, uh, we're going to have a problem or I want no children and I want 17. That's going to be an issue yeah. or I don't believe there's a God. And I think anyone who believes there's a God's an idiot. Oh, oh by the way, I think there's a God. Oh, see, this is a problem because now I'm an idiot. So there you go. Mm-hmm. And, and so these are the things. But if you can, because all of these things are representative of your values. And what your beliefs are. So when you can agree on your money, what you've ended up agreeing on is your dreams, your fears, your visions. Mm. You're in agreement. You're in alignment on those. Not only what they are, but how we're going to go after them then. And you've got a high probability of building wealth. Yes. That's the odd part of it. That's the infinity loop. How it comes back in on itself.
1: I hope you enjoyed today's episode and it inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's episode with all the important links. And I want to remind you, if no one has told you lately, that you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. And now it's time to go out there and do something great.